much for eyes. How are we all doing? All right, mate, you? Yeah, yeah, I'm good, good. I'm happy I've got a coffee in front of me. I need a coffee. Yeah, it's only, it's only about 11 o'clock Saturday morning. Yeah, it's, it's not too early, that is it? It's no, really. I'm, oh, I was just saying, I hadn't been drinking last night, but I had, but not much. But like, I mean, I think I had about, I think I had two glasses of wine and two pints of Guinness. So it's not really drinking. Did you go out? Yeah, I did, but but it's not much. And um, so I come back and I uh, woke up this morning, felt all right, but just jaded. Yeah. Not not beer jaded, just generally jaded, I think, over like weeks of work and stuff. And it's just going, you need I'm help. I'm the opposite way around now because as I've been on holiday, just sitting about doing not a lot, chilling out in the sun, I've been drinking booze too much. And uh, I've, I feel like I need to get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel a bit like that as well, a bit jaded. <laughs> hey ho, though. I wasn't going to drink at all from the yesterday, but I ended up going out to the pub. The, pro- the problem is, right, um, if you're having time off work, what happens is you, you, you end up being more tired. Yeah. That's what I've noticed. And like ill. If, yeah, you do. I think your body's used to doing stuff, though, isn't it? And then suddenly it's just going, oh, relax. And then suddenly, like... Everything can just attack you, and you just go. Eh. Yeah, Hannah's feeling a bit under the weather. It's weird, isn't it? Because it always happens when you break up from work. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't understand yeah. that. I just feel ill from hangover. Christmas is usually one for for me. I always get like yeah. stupidly mental, like like flu. People get vi- like proper like, throat virus. I'm like, it's fucking Christmas. Yeah, it's my t- only two weeks. I can't even eat my throat's fat. Yeah, it's one of my only two weeks off this year, and it's not even two weeks. It's yeah. like three three days actually, and I'm ill for those three days. And then on the day I go back to work, I'm fine. Well, that's like, a, yeah, yeah. Well, it serves you right for not being religious, celebrating Christmas. Well, that's, yeah. it's, it's I suppose it's probably the Lord. You, it's got to be the Lord striking me down with illness. Talk, talking of striking people down, should we do a few shout outs? Yeah, let's do it. Louise Rackley, the lovely Louise Rackley. Louise Rackley. Well, I think she um, goes around looking at tits. <laughs> She likes she likes racks. She goes round. She, she's a rack inspector. Uh, yes. <laughs> Sorry, girls. We're just being rude. Dave Hill. Dave Hill. He, he um, makes hills. He actually does make hills. It's a sound name, Dave Hill. Yeah, it's pretty um straight down the middle. I mean, if you walk into a pub and you go, you know Dave Hill over there, right? People will go, yeah, he's all right. He's he's one of those run of the mill. Sound Run bloke. of the mill, Dave Hill. Sa- hey. <laughs> Sound bloke. Yeah. Solid name. Matthew Murray. Matthew Murray. Um, he's a commentator, I reckon. I'm going for a commentator on... Um, uh, I'm going to go with... Um, volleyball. A volleyball. Naked volleyball. Some of the coach. commentation. That, like, the commentation? Commentation. <laughs> commentation. That's a word too, you know. <laughs> could could the commentation mean after you've done the commentary? <laughs> yeah. Have you listened to the commentation? Some of the commentary in the, the obscure sports when the Olympics are on are fantastic to, to watch and to really? listen to. Yeah. It's I think they're brilliant. I like all the foreign ones in the football and all that because it's it, they just go nuts. They yeah. go crazy. They get really into it. Yeah, yeah. The, com- like, the commentary makes it. Yeah, it does. You don't does. know the sport. It really does. We're, uh, we're quite bland as a country when it comes to the commentary. We're pretty straight down the middle talking like this. But the foreigners are like... <laughs> they just go on forever, don't they? <laughs> they do. They do. They love it. It's just madness. We don't do that, do no, we? No, no. <laughs> You're like, I'm guessing he's a fan of them. <laughs> uh, Dyla Johnson. Um, sh- she's um, a Formula One racer. The first lady racer. Well, not the first. Second now or third or so. I don't know. Professional in the ma- in the proper all round gr- group. Wasn't there one that got like really mortally wounded recently? Female. Form- um, was that the electric car? 
Um, she flipped over that barrier. Yeah, but she didn't get more... She broke she, her back or some shit and walked out like 17 days. Like, yeah, but if, if you saw the crash and, and what the injuries were, she, she got away mega lightly, even though she like you say, broke a... I think she broke a hip or something. Something like that. It was quite traumatic to her body, but she was She fine. should have been dead. Yeah. It was You've mad, wasn't it? it? Yeah, it flipped. It went about 400 miles an hour, like into a fence on a bend. <laughs> yeah. It just... In the air, I think her brakes failed, didn't they? And she just went fucking bosh. There's nothing much she can do, is there? At that point, you just got to brace yourself. <laughs> and there were people there, weren't there? Ducking this yeah, car. Was, the car went out. This, it, it was like it was taking off. Because like, they act like a wing, don't they? When yeah. they when it's they like a, a NASA a NASA new rocket going off. It was. Like <laughs> <laughs> Elon Musk is like, what was that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Hang on a second. Yeah. <laughs> and happy birthday to Kelly Bath. Happy the birthday to Bath. you. Uh, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Kelly. Happy birthday to you. Hey! Um. <laughs> Abrupt ending there. There's <laughs> not really a lot I can do to follow Rob's amazing singing voices. <coughs> Pardon me, sorry. Did you hear about, hear about that woman, in uh, the two women in London, who were found in a freezer? Yes, yeah. That was... um. It's going to be a murdery episode. It's beginning of murder month, so we might as well start with... Yeah, it's, it's, quite, it's like a recently murder one, isn't I it? Thought, oh, apparently two people. Nielsen here. That's what I thought. Fingers crossed. Fingers apparently, crossed. Apparently it was two people arrested though. And the reason why he got caught was because it, he was, um, what do they call it when um, they're going a bit mental? Like It's like a like risk for his own life or something. It was something. a breakdown. It was something was happening. It was something like a, a man in distress or something. So in other words, he's probably got. I've got two bodies in the fridge. It's a crack den as well, you know. Was it? Yeah, it was a crack den. And the girl, the woman, the one that's been identified, um, she was 38 years old, went missing a year ago, and the family have said um, we we're um, we're not frightened to speak out against the police now. That's what one of the quotes. It was something like that. We're not frightened to speak out against the police. We've been saying this for a long time. Now will they finally listen? And I was like, that's a bit of a one-liner, which is. Quite, you know, shots fired. Whereas Fuck you. We told you something was up, and you weren't listening. Yeah. So I, w- I haven't like read into it anymore. But it sounds like they knew. Of course, the family they, they knew prob- was shit. <laughs> she was in a freezer. They probably did. They probably went. Look, she goes to this oh, crack den. There's, there's a lot of dodgy people. Check that place out. They've gone okay, and they just haven't bothered because they're going. Oh, she's a crackhead. Doesn't matter. It's crazy, isn't it? People just in freezers and stuff. How many people are in like freezers around the country? Oh, that's good, isn't it? Buried in gardens. Have long pig steak. Yeah. Yeah, man. A year. What would you do? Why would you have them uh, in a crack house, crack den? Why would you put them in the freezer? Is it something like if if Can't one of them walks in and goes and goes, oh, can I have some crack? I ain't got any money. And you go, well, you've got to bring the money by tomorrow, okay? And then they're sitting there scratching them and going, gurning or whatever, right? Um, they go, oh, but I won't be able to do it. Well, do you have a look in here. You might end up like one of these two. Well, that's the thing, you see. It was a transient house, they said. A lot of people were coming and going. So... Where was this freezer? Was it just did people look in it? I wonder if like crackers had opened the freezer, put some <laughs> yeah, yeah, two corpses in there, and just because they've been there a year and, and it's a den apparently. People will come in and go in so the constantly. There was no f- like you know it's specific not people living there other than what was on the register, but that w- they weren't even there. It's probably not going to be a secret f- for, like freezer, is it? As well, it's not like they're going to hide it under the floorboards. Well, it's got to be yeah. exactly. It's just a chest freezer. Yeah, yeah. With two corpses in in the middle of London. Have you seen the flat as well? No, no. I'm sorry, I'm just sort of sitting back while I was talking then. Um, yeah, because we're getting attacked by a cat. Yeah, the cat was sort of, like, abusing me. Bean. Um, um, no, I haven't, se- I haven't seen anything on it. All I know is that, that uh, some fellow was in distress um, and they found two bod- bodies. They arrested him and then the next day they arrested some other f- fellow or something. Yeah, awful. So, awful. It sounds good, though. Yeah, maybe um, maybe another episode. A crack, a crack house murder, then. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> great. <laughs> 
brilliant. Yeah, it's like it's like two niches in one. Don't become an episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unlucky. Uh, our social shit, you can just find us if you want to. Um, we're on uh, Patreon. We're on... Um, you can buy T-shirts if you want to buy T-shirts. Um, I don't, I, Mill, Miller, something or whatever. Just type it in on Google. Just type in Robots for T-shirts. It'll probably pop up. So uh, I just think it's better like that. Yeah, just... You know what to do. Do it. Just find or it, Or yeah. don't. If there's care. something pacific- specifically you want, type it in. If it props up, it's there. If not, yeah. oh well. I'll leave us a review on iTunes, you bastards. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that covers everything. Yeah, yeah. Cool. That's all we need to do. Let's get on with the murder. First installment of Murder Month. <gasps> Fourth of May, isn't it? Beginning Star of Wars Day, isn't it? That I'm not really. A big May Star the fourth be with you. Something like, something like, yeah, some crap. That fella died, didn't he? Chewbacca fella. Oh yeah, did he? Yeah, seven yeah. foot two. So you know, he lived his I life. don't really know anything about Star Wars. Big Is that the one that the big, <laughs> yeah, the big, the big Wookiee thing. <laughs> well, the Wookiee's the small one, I think. It's the big one, the one who bowls around with Han Solo. Is that the Ewok? Just, yeah, the one who's not very good, really, at anything. No. He just screams. He gets ah. The Ewok is the small one. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Who, and he's uh, a Wookiee. Yeah, that's the one with Warwick, Warwick Davis Big inside, foot. isn't it? Yeah, he's Bigfoot basically. Did yeah, you see Bigfoot the, one. Did you see the bit the um, Indian Army have released uh, some footage uh, and um, like uh, photographs and shit of what they claim to be Bigfoot footprints up in like some fucking madass mountain where they were doing. Yeah, I could make Bigfoot prints, though. No, but they're saying, oh, yeah, that's the Yeti. We saw it. You know, what? Do you know what? I'm going to make some in the back garden, take pictures and go, fuck me, there's been a Yeti around me. Footprints were something like must, 30 He must be on his way long. to Waitrose or something. You know what I mean? Anyway, we, we digress. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, murder month. Let's, Let's get back to this. Yeah, man. The sower murders. <sighs> by popular demand. Yes. I'm gonna do, I was going to do this one before. Right. But um, I didn't, because it's quite... It gets a bit grim. Like for a month of really continu- it gets grim <laughs> for a t- for like a month of continuous research, you, you end up sort of going, I couldn't. I thought no, I'm not, I don't want to do this one. I need to do this one when I'm fresh and not traumatized from the research. Hence the reason why we're doing it as episode one of Murder Month. Okay. So that, yeah, it was massive news. This was. Do you remember it? Two um, thousand. Yes. Yeah, yes. It was huge, wasn't it? So like you know, this is um, all the kids on summer holidays, six weeks holiday. But kids are broken up from school. Everyone's enjoying time off. Summer, you know what I mean? Riding bikes, very yeah, relatable yeah. to everybody. Uh, you remember when you were like 10? You just ride around on your bike. That's what they were doing, man. I used to just play football around um, um, one of my mates. Like, usually drivers. And then, you know, the garages, like yeah. garage doors. He had two garage doors. And that was the goal. Mm. Um, he used to get told off because it was like denting the fuck out of it. But making it going off like a bomb. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, it's cool. So that's what was going on. These These little girls, I mean, they were like, we all were at that age, just chilling out and having fun. So the Sun murders were the... I mean, there were awful killings of 10-year-old school friends, Holly Wells and Jessica Chapman, and they vanished in the small village of Soham in Cambridgeshire. Lovely area. Uh, on the 4th of August, uh, I think it was 2003, uh, and their bodies were discovered in a drainage ditch 13 days later on the 17th of August. Okay. So it was uh, not very good. No, for it's you know thir- I mean? 13 days, so nearly two weeks. It was a, it was a massive... Of torture for the parents. Yeah, I mean, it was so much public interest in this. Do you know what I mean? What What would you say, right, if obviously um, 
you know, two different parents, because um, they were friends, weren't they? Yes. Um, and you're obviously both together as, like, parents, you know what I mean? And you go and meet the other parents as well, because obviously you're good mates of them, because of the children, probably. Um, and they've gone missing, and they've gone missing for a few days. What what would you be saying to them? Do you know what I mean? We've got to find them, but, but obviously. But, like, if you're going to have doubt in your mind... Because why Why would two of them go missing? Yeah, that's the thing. They're not going to run away together. And if they did, then surely one of them would, I don't know, want to come home? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, You're yeah. more likely they're going to come back if there's two. It was, mate, it was horrible. Yeah, so I think by like a couple of days, you'd be going, oh, no. You know yeah. what I mean? That's it. That's yeah, yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Mate, it was crazy, mate, because the murderer, 28-year-old Ian Huntley and his girlfriend, Maxine Carr, they gave various live TV interviews to... I think it was Sky TV, possibly BBC, a few others actually, in the village. So they were in the public eye. Trying to, to pretend to help. Yeah, from from the get-go, man. They were there. People recognised him. Oh, that's that fella from the uh, from the TV, from the news. Used to pedo at the school. And some, some of the interviews were given directly outside and even inside the house where the girls were murdered. Really? Yeah. And the way they acted on, poli- on, on camera alerted the... Uh, the suspicions of, of you know, law enforcement watching. They were like, hmm, you know what I mean? And, p- and news crews as well, who were interviewing them, spoke to the police and said, you want to watch them? There's something going something, on. Something, yeah. Yeah, mate, Maxine Carr even posed for the, in the interviews on lo- on live TV with a card, th- I think it was from from Holly, because she was leaving school. Maxine Carr was a teaching assistant mm-hmm. uh, at the school. And because she was leaving, the girls had wrote a card and she's holding it up in, in the cameras going, look, the, here it is. Well, I miss you very much. Miss Carr. Love you lots, Holly. And, and they're like, oh, she's, she's so dear to me, this card is. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you the war- well, I don't know if she was involved as in like um, uh, done the murders, but she definitely was involved because she helped clear up and do all that well you? it's good that you don't know that because we'll get through we'll get through that i, I don't i gotta be honest i i know it happened and i know all that but i don't really know um what what um the outcome of everything you know the, the scenario it's, of, of it's how really it strange this one is it's yeah. you'll get to the end and it's called kind of like we we don't really know what the fuck happened mm-hmm. i think as well at the beginning i said it was 2002 it's 2003 I, I can't remember if i said 2000 it doesn't really fucking matter it's 2003 it's happened it's one of those yeah and many of people listening to this podcast will have heard us mention mention Ben Wolfer from Lower Than Bones fame. Billy, Mr. No Mates. He actually met Ian Huntley and Maxine Carr. I think wow. he met Huntley a couple of times. But um, he told me that uh, he had to like, he met up with Ian Huntley and Maxine Carr outside the house because their dog kept like escaping and right. running around. And he had the dog and he went back and he refused to give it to them before they like paid a fine. He said that Maxine was like a really gobby bitch when Ian Huntley come across as a normal guy, but he was just trying to trying to get rid of Ben. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you know what I mean. So yeah, so hmm. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. close to home. It's crazy. It is mad. Yeah. I mean, people are out there that do this. I wonder I wonder um if Ben mm, well didn't know, but obviously because he wouldn't have known, but I wonder if he, he can message us back, I suppose, he'll listen. If if he knew there was something dodgy going on with him. But yeah. not linked to that, but it might have been like that maybe he was beating her or something, or he might have thought something crazy. Yeah, but let us know, Ben. Yeah. Could you tell there was something dodgy going on between them? You know what I mean? May not be linked with that, but could you could you think, oh, something's not right you here. said they were dicks. Do you know that doesn't surprise me. If they're going out killing kids, they're dicks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty simple, I think, in my mind. It's important to remember as well here, what Ben said that um, he was giving the dog back and collecting a fine off him. 
giving them their dog back. So just remember that, all right? Right. So, at the, you know, as, as we always do in these podcasts, we'll start at the beginning and give you a quick summary of the people involved and what their lives are like. So Huntley was born 31st of January 1974 in Grimsby, uh, which is northeast Lincolnshire, which mm-hmm. is a fair ways north of Soham. So he wasn't a local lad. His parents, Kevin and Linda, I couldn't really find much information about them. Okay. I think they're probably just keeping their heads down. They're probably just put some sort of super injunction saying, I don't want to be involved with him. Yeah. I don't want, you know what I mean? I don't want anyone to know about us because we're linked to him, you know, even though it's not not their fault, so to speak. Usually I... Unless d- they've, like, done something bad as well, a kid. Yeah, exactly. But usually I'd, d- I'd dive deeper and have a real good rummage to see if there was anything... Yeah, like d- domestic abuse, yeah, a bit of whipping, you know, a bit of, you know, whatever. Well, they divorced when he was a kid. Um, apparently, it, was, it wasn't nice. He took sides with his mum, and I think something like nine years after the divorce, they got back together. He's got a younger brother called Wayne, who was born in 1975, so mm-hmm. similar sort of age. Hunt, from what I read, Huntley was, seemed intimidated and threatened by his older brother, um, which I suppose could have caused him to act the big man. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, like, like what do they call it? Small man syndrome, where they're always trying to act hard for no reason. Yeah, you're yeah. like, what are you doing, mate? You don't even even have to be acting like this. Just chill. What are you doing? Yeah. yeah. He did this I for just said, do you want some peanuts? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you don't have to have a fight about it. <laughs> yeah. So like I say, there was no evidence of... I say evidence. There's nothing like your standard serial killer childhood, mm-hmm. really. Um, but there were bullies. There's no head injuries, normal upbringing, but, you know, everybody gets bullied. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a, has a dose of that at school. He seemed to have been a sickly lad. He didn't join in with sport or PE or team sports. I suppose there's a sort of... Is that an element of isolation there? Um, I suppose, yeah. If, if people thought he was a bit strange, I'm guessing. Yeah, asthma as well. For, for the reason why... Hence why he had not many friends and all that. Yeah. It's, you know, I think it's a good instinct to have as a child, to be honest. If someone's acting a bit mental, a bit weird... Keep away. Don't, yeah, keep away. <clears throat> Or bully the fuck out of them, as the case yeah. might be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder how many like serial killers have been made by bullies or pushed over the edge. Kids are cunts, man. They can be horrible. Yeah, so yeah, um, I, uh, yeah. I, I think it's because they don't know the consequences to the stuff, do they? They yeah. just sort of do it, and it's usually showing off most of the time. Yeah, they trying to trying to show off to someone. Um, but yeah, you know, if it happened to them, they they be uh, devastated yes it, they don't like it when it's turned it's like a yeah. pack mentality isn't it yeah, yeah. the bullies tend to be in a pack there's not a lone bully no there's, there's very rarely even, even in the even in the movies when you see it it's usually two or three of them yeah and it's you have the one big lad who's who's the one who goes does the bullying and the other two are just there going yeah yeah you know what i mean so well they, they called him spadehead verbal physical abuse um and it was quite relentless apparently um so he, he ended up moving school mm-hmm. where it happened again and i'm thinking okay twice maybe maybe hunt is just a prick Maybe yeah. he's putting out the wrong signals. Maybe, yeah, maybe he's telling right. a different story. Maybe maybe he is just a dickhead. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Maybe he's the bully. Could be. Yeah. Considering we're going to get into it, well, I know what happened. It well. stands to reason that he probably was a colossal cock. Okay. So, instead of, um, he got his, he was reasonably bright, he got his GCSEs, and instead of leaving and uh, going, like, doing A-levels and onto university, he just, he chose to go into employment. I think it was kind of like he tried to get a fresh start away from people, away from the education system because it was probably just not enjoyable for him yeah. because of bullies. So he shook off the past and wanted to come across as someone destined for great things. Like he's trying to, all the new people he meets, he's trying to say, this is me, this is the real me. You don't know me from school. Yeah. A, a completely. Re- they said he was a dreamer, a bit of a dreamer, um, and other people that knew him out straight out of school. Is that another he, word for liar? Well, they said he was, people that That's knew him straight out of school said he was a, par- a, a pathetic parasitic loser. That's okay. a direct quote. So I'm thinking, fuck me, man. That's that's quite 
a harsh thing to say. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's ever so slightly like Michael Ryan from Hungerford Massacre fame. Oh, except, right, okay. Except without the mummy's boy element. Yeah, okay. So, okay, I get you. So people know, a fantasist. So in sort other words, he comes up with all this crap. Um, people know it because he's it's, it's just blatantly like ridiculous. And does he like, you're a dickhead, mate. Yeah, sort of, yeah. I mean, it's obviously it's different, but when I was researching, I thought it just sounds a bit like, it sounds like a bit more, it sounds like an outgoing Michael Ryan. Yeah, that's what he sounds like. Right. He wasn't living with, you know, in his mum's pants, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He had a series of jobs. He worked as a sales rep, a security guard, at a fish processing factory, um, assembled toilet parts, packed nappies, worked in a canning and a canning factory and a supermarket, and he got sacked from various jobs for mm. apparently being incredibly arrogant and not responding to authority because he thought he was amazing, you see. Right, okay. And he also spelt, spent time unemployed. So his jobs, they're nothing special. Yeah, there's nothing bad about no, them, no. but it's not not like um, a solicitor or yeah, it's uh, like a doctor. Yeah, yeah. Just normal jobs that everybody has. Uh, according to his ex-girlfriends, he was a bit of a bit restless, and he, he'd move house regularly. He, like he'd rent a place, and then mysteriously, like after three or four months, he'd move on. And you may have an inkling why he moved on so much as we get further into the case. Man's got shit to hide. Yes, and escape from. Y- yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he could be very charming, dressed well, worked hard, seemingly worked hard, but always not what it seemed. Because um, the thing that nobody knew at the time was he was attracted to young girls right. straight off the bat. So there's, like I say, he was when, when he was 18, he's still a young lad there, mm-hmm. but he had an open, he openly went out with a 13-year-old girl. He didn't right. even try and hold it. Didn't try and think this might look a bit dodgy. Yeah. He just... Did it? It seemed to me like when I was reading that, it didn't. It's like he didn't know he was doing wrong. Probably didn't. He probably thought that was. Um, I don't know. Must have in his mind thought he wasn't wrong because to openly come out and be like that, you'd be like, you you do know the laws, don't you? Yeah. And what's right and what's wrong, and that's definitely wrong. And the fact you're going around, yeah, blatantly doing it, yeah, and showing everyone in a way. I don't think. I think he knew. He just didn't give a shit because in 1995, when he was 20, he married. 18-year-old Claire Evans within a few weeks of meeting her. So he's 20 and she's 18. Whatever, man. No problem at all. She moved into, I think he had like a a one-bedroom flat. Within a month, she moved in. So Mm. it was rapid as fuck. She didn't tell her family about the relationship or marriage, probably on, I'm guessing, his request. I think he was probably, yeah. I think any decision that's getting made in a relationship is being made by him. Right, okay. Pretty much. And I think, you know, it was like, don't tell them, they'll stop our love. You know what I mean? But yeah. Huntley was getting a name for himself. That was the reason for the secrecy. Right, okay. Because he's already had a f- relationship with a 13-year-old yeah. girl. Now he's married to her and he doesn't want people to know. He's being really, really secret. Yeah, let, let's be honest. Even if it was a blip, so to speak, you you would never trust that person. No way, would you? If, you, if, if he'd come back and went, yeah, do you know what? That was so wrong. It was such a blip. Uh, you know, I'm sorry. You go. No, it doesn't matter, mate. Too I'm not. Late. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not listening to you. It's over. Yeah. But their marriage wasn't happy. Unsurprisingly, on the day of their wedding, Claire was. She's only 18, like we say, and she'd been drinking like a motherfucker mm-hmm. at the uh, at the do, and she was she was puking up in the toilet at back at the house, and Huntley was apparently just pouring booze over her head. Just, I mean, what a break. And then the next day, he egged her when she was in bed and just laughed, and you're like, mate, what are you doing? I mean. I could see that being funny if it was lads on the piss or yeah, yeah, girls well, on the piss, but yeah, not jackass. With your wife. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like belittling her, isn't it? And yeah. just 
But yeah. he doesn't say it is that he thinks he probably probably thinks it's like a jackass and thinks yeah. it's funny when really in that in, there's a time and place to be like a jackass and, and funny. Yeah. And it is funny. Yeah. But n- not when someone's about to die from <laughs> drinking and you're pouring booze over them. You're and meant them, to help, mate. And you're slapping eggs in their face in the morning. She uh, she left him a few days after they got married, like literally straight away. She was so young and it, I think it was overwhelming because he was utterly controlling, abusive, violent and a sadist. Because in, in that short period of time that they spent together, so the month before... They got married, and then like a few days after, so we're talking two months at the most, he raped her in the shower, and he crushed her windpipe from behind when she was doing the washing up, so he went into the sink and just fucking, you know what I mean? He cut her hair with scissors to try and make What's her... What's wrong l- with these people? I know. He cut her hair with scissors to try and make her less attractive to men. I'm not even sure how that works. Do you know what I mean? Cut your hair to make you less attractive to men. Um, he knocked her up. She got pregnant, and through fear... It seems that she was she was forced, I say forced, she chose, I suppose it's forced, to abort the baby because Huntley had said to her, if you have that child, I'm going to do things to it. Fuck. What? Yeah. And he's talking like that in 1995. I'm going to do things to it if you have that child. The fuck? And just be like, all right, I'm having this child and you're going to prison. Yeah, this I'm is like... I'm moving away just, just, to, just to piss you off a bit as well because you're a complete utter... Arsehole, by the sound of it. This is eight years before <coughs> he did what he did in Soham. He'd also lock her in the house. So she, when she, she filed for a divorce to, like, God, fuck me, I need to get away, get away from this mm. crazy bastard. He refused to give her, um, like, he refused to play ball. He wouldn't fill in the papers for over four years. He was just, like, exercising his, his controlling side. Um, when he did finally grant her the divorce, she married his brother, what? <laughs> Wayne in the year 2000. Oh, that's, that's, that's a, a bit of a piss weird, take, isn't it? isn't it? Yeah. I think that's probably why he was holding on to the divorce papers. Because she was going to marry his brother and he was like, fuck you, I'm in control of this. She's fucked in the head for doing shit like that as well, though. She's young. Yeah, but she's going around, Ian Huntley's kind of pretending to kill her and throwing eggs in her face and stuff. And He tried to kill her, mate. He crushed yeah. her windpipe. But then, then she, she, at some point between then, though, he must have... Must have come out that your brother's having a go on her now. It's not going to make it. It's not going to be easy for him, is it? No. He's not going to find that easy because no. he's clearly a psychopath in the first place. As many he's just trying to can. strangle her for fun, or whatever. Yeah. And then that comes out. He's, he will. He will fucking like I don't know. Just poison her or something. You know what I mean? In 1998, when he was 23, he got taken to court for robbing his next door neighbor's house. I mean, that's a bit. I mean, whatever. Also that year, he raped um, an 18-year-old girl in Grimsby. And the victim went to the police, but as too often, you know, is the case in these situations, it was insufficient evidence which prevented him from being convicted in both cases, the rape and the burglary. So two major, major fucking things in one year that he was, he'd got pulled up in front of the law for, but he was free to go, man. Mm. So people were paying attention, starting to realise what he was like, because his reputation is out. He's just a fucking maverick. He just does what, tries to do what he wants, thinks it's great, and thinks he's great, and he's a fantasist, and deserves to be put down. Yeah. So it's like he's um, people, I could imagine, like in his town, that's the lad that had sex with that 13 year old girl. Mm. That's the lad that forced that girl into marriage and tried to kill her and yeah. threatened to do... Oh, and that's, that's the lad that broke into the house. And that's the lad that that woman's ac- accused him of rape to the police. Yeah, yeah. Do you see what I mean? that's the lad whose uh, wife is now bashing a, uh, his <laughs> brother. <laughs> yeah. So you can see he likes to be around young and impressionable girls that tend towards older men. Like, so he's a, a predator in the truest sense. When he was 23, he had a two-year relationship with a girl called Katie Webber, who was 15, man. 15? Fucking outrageous. 
and they live together in a caravan in Katie's mum's garden, so it's nice and private. Kate, so so hang on. Yep. So she she the mother let allowed allowed it. I didn't dive into it, but because but that's, that's what it sounds we're like. Going to on me. A, we'd be going on a mad tangent about Katie's mum and dad. So I just yeah, yeah. well, they must have assumed it or tolerated it, or he managed to tell them that he was just a mate or something, or he was said he was like fucking eighteen or something and. Or 16 or <laughs> some shit like yeah. that. And again... That's, that's weird, that is. He violently raped and assaulted Katie um, many, many times. And he even had a 15-year-old daughter with her. A, a, um, a daughter with her when she was 15. 15-year-old daughter with her. Immediately. Imagine giving birth to a 15-year-old daughter. <laughs> yeah, he just comes out at 15. Like, oh, I just want to go and watch telly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just a moody kid immediately. Straight away. Yeah. So, so, yeah, he's had a kid with her and she's 15, man. That's a bit dodge. Now, he routinely battered her and he, he pushed her down the stairs when she was pregnant, including punching her in the stomach, man. That's what she said. Yeah. It was like he was trying to fucking <coughs> kill the baby. He's a dick. Yeah, he's a, he's a full-on helmet of the highest order. Yeah. Now, going into it further, I didn't want to go too much on a tangent, but his, his daughter, his poor daughter, had no idea who her dad was. And she was doing a school project on the Soho murders and saw a shitty picture online of her mother... And her, next to Ian Huntley, the face is blurred out. And she was like, what the fuck? Oh, my God. Yeah. How crazy is that? That is, that is insane. That's how she found out, man. Firstly, what are you doing a school project on the summer murders for? Yeah, Hello, yeah. kids, go yeah. home and research child murders. Yeah, yeah. That is crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. What, what the fuck's going on at that school? How old was she at the time? Does it say? Oh. Uh, I think she was... In the, she was a young teenager. So she was like 13, 14. Something around that It's a bit yeah. mad, isn't it? It was a se- uh, like a session at school. Yeah. What she do like life crime at this moment? I suppose it's good to, to I suppose it was get kids up to speed on what, what dangers are out there. But if you're asking them to do something, doing research on the internet, they're going to find the same shit that we found on yeah, their kids, man. You know what I mean? And the thing is as well, it's I suppose the reason why they've done it is probably because it was recent. New, recent uh, um, and it's highly profiled and it's in their area so yeah. they've probably gone well let's just do it because it's it's happened around here let's make um, try and make everyone safe maybe that's Raise all I can awareness. think yeah. so between 1995 and 2001 investigators after his arrest figured out that he they reckon he'd had sexual potentially had sexual contact with at least 60 60 underage girls between the age of 11 and 17 he threatened to kill one 11 year old girl after raping her he said, um, I know where you live. If you dare tell anyone, I'll come and kill you. I'm a black belt in karate. <laughs> Terrifying man, a ninja. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. N- ninja Huntley. <laughs> yeah. Just hit him with a bat and just shut the fuck up, just mate. Kick him in the dick, man. So he'd had a string of paedophilic relationships, and many of the girls had spoke to their family members about it. Mm. So it was it was out. Whether the police... Yeah, everyone knew about him, yeah, and he's just walking around like lawless in a way. Yeah, sort of. It's like they've. he's got a reputation, but... We haven't got anything on him. See, if an 18-year-old went out with a 13-year-old now, they'd be cautioned, definitely. They'd be took to a side and say, you know what I mean, at least they'd be took away, they'd get done, or they'd they'd go, look, mate, this isn't right, this isn't on. Um, You know, they'll probably go into detail with it and and just, I don't know, definitely going to get fucked over. Yep. Too right, But yeah, he got away with that, and he got away with so much more. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in February 1999, Huntley met 22-year-old Maxine Carr. Now, they worked together at an insurance company, but they got it on at the glamorous Hollywood nightclub in Grimsby. It sounds really glamorous. I guarantee Hollywood that place nightclub. is anything but Hollywood. Yeah, you walk in. I bet, it, I bet it's just like black walls, and it's just like you're walking. <laughs> WKD. 
Sounds like you've got Velcro on your feet as you walk in. Yeah, yeah. WKD. Reef two for it's one. Prob- it's probably not even WKD. It's probably VK. Yeah. Cheaper version of that. Yeah, two pound fifty entrance. Yeah, yeah, two pound fifty entrance. No trainers. Um, six bottles of for like two pound or something. Yeah, no trainers and no uh, no chaff clothes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so within four weeks of getting with him, she'd moved him. So again, rapid so as fuck, quick, man. Yeah. So he doesn't waste time when he finds someone he can manipulate. He senses that and he's like, right, in we go. So at the time of meeting Maxine, Huntley had only just found out the burglary and rape cases against him were being dropped. Mm-hmm. So he's in the thick of it. There's allegations of rape against children, uh, young adults, burglary, violence, physical and mental abuse. And now Maxine Carr, bless yeah. her, is walking straight into a relationship with this man and she knows nothing about him. Mm. So she was born on February the 16th, 1977 in Grimsby. Uh, Maxine lived with her mother, Shirley, and her sister, Hayley. Um, her dad, I think, left when she was a baby. Nice one, Dad. Yep, cheers for that. Do. Life is similar to Huntley in some respects. She left school after GCSEs, didn't do as well. Um, she had menial jobs, like a bleak, bleak outlook, I think. You know what I mean? Sorry. Uh, what? Uh, <laughs> I know there's nothing to do. I've just looked at you, I've just realised what's going <laughs> on with your t shirt. What's that? It's got Nirvana and it's got um, uh, the Hanson. Hanson on the front. <laughs> Sorry. It's a fucking quality one. People don't realise. You think it's well, a it, top. Yeah, I just, I just, oh, I just made me laugh at this. I've just saw, I've only just it. noticed it. It's just handsome. It. It's got the, <laughs> yeah, you'll have to get a picture of that one. Bumbop, that fella there, the one that can't play drums. Yeah, the one who, yeah, who meant to be on the drums, but. He well, got exposed, he did, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Was he not ace or something? Yeah, time? he's meant to be a drummer. Remember that on the Chris Evans, on the, what was it called? TFR Friday. Is that t- was it TFR Friday? I think so, yeah, the, the evening thing. Yeah, yeah, and then they got that, the kids in, the, the handsome one, and uh, he says, is, is the drum, live on TV, is the drumsticks, go and play on that drum kit, go on, mate, and he like, he worded it different, so he wasn't trying to, kid was fucking terrible. He didn't have to fucking hit a cymbal. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where was, what was I talking about? Uh, Maxine Gar. <laughs> yeah, Max, sorry, sorry, it was my fault. I just saw it and it just made me chuckle, so right, yeah. I just interrupted. Sorry. Menial jobs. Uh, she ended up working in like a, an old person's care home, uh, and I think ultimately she wanted to become a teacher, but mm-hmm. her grades straight out of school weren't good enough. Um, so she changed her desires. Instead of being a full on teacher, she wanted to work with children in some capacity. That ain't happening now, love. You yeah, fuck yeah. that up. Let's just say that from the. Uh, well, she also works in a f- in a fish pack packing factory as well. There's a lot of fish packing going on. Yeah, yeah. Grimsby. Mm-hmm. In a, she got in her teenage years. She, she became anorexic. She was down to six stone at one point. So she's troubled in her younger life. Let's yeah, yeah. just say, bit of a loner, easily led, no fucking shit. She was very shy, um, but apparently when she got a drink inside her, she'd get a bit. A bit wild then. Okay. A bit restless and angry. That's what a lot of people were saying. She's an angry drunk. Just lock her away. Not give her any booze. (laughs) Give her bottles of bleach. (laughs) So the relationship took off, seemingly good from the outside. And then in February the year 2000, after being together for about a year, Huntley and Carr moved in um, with each other to a new place in West Street in Scunthorpe. Now, so it's, a t- it's a different area. I don't mm-hmm. know how many miles away it was, but it wasn't it wasn't where he used to live. They moved yeah, yeah. away again, moving away, yeah, yeah. concealing and moving, yeah. um, doing na- stuff, moving on. Yeah, neighbours said that they you know would row. They'd hear them fighting, but you know whatever, man, nothing dodgy there. People do that all the time. They said they could come across as distant, not wanting to talk to people, not unfriendly, just just private, I guess. Yeah. Or was Huntley deliberately keeping himself and Maxine away from people that may or may not know about his past? Okay. That's what I think, personally. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this sort of adds weight to it because one, one of the neighbours said that they remember, this is in Scunthorpe, the police uh, at their house in the middle of the night speaking to Huntley about rape allegations back in Grimsby. Now, Carr, Maxine Carr, spoke to the neighbour and said, no, nah, no, nah, don't worry about it. It's, it's all bollocks. There's loads of people have got it in for him back in, in Grimsby. They're, right. always, they're always accusing him of rape. It's a vendetta. <laughs> yeah, because that's what you do to just someone you don't like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Every, everyone starts accusing you of rape. Yeah, it's a vendetta. Poor Ian. It's, it's, you know, it's, that's why we move. That's what you naturally do. Mm. Uh, you know, instinct. You, yeah. you go, oh, don't like him. He's a rapist. Yes, He's a rapist. You get everyone to say that. So we've moved, you see. That's why. Yeah, it's an odd accusation. Come on, man. Shit, yeah. So it's, it's his violent and abusive tendencies to women had not gone away. He was aggressive and controlling towards Maxine, physically mm-hmm. hitting her, mentally bashing her. Now, my opinion before we start the case is Maxine Carr was in an abusive relationship. You know, it wasn't good. Ian Huntley was probably scaring the shit out of her. She did what she did because she believed him. She said what she said to the police because she had no reason to... To not... Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah I say she, no reason. She was scared. She got in too deep and made a series of massive fucking mistakes. Yeah. Which fucking didn't help her in the slightest. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whenever... Whatever happened at the time, if she walked into the room, you know what I mean? You'd be like, uh, is, let's be honest. Yeah, all the allegations were kind of true. Um I can't really hide from this now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So in 2001, still living in Scunthorpe with Maxine, um, with his string of underage lovers living nearby and an ever-increasing scrutiny regarding the allegations of rape, Huntley was working as a barman at the time and he was travelling to his dad's house in Littleport in Cambridge, which mm-hmm. is 100 miles south. He was doing that on his days off. He was helping him out working around his house, I believe, and his dad was a caretaker at a local school and he was like bigging the job up. He says, you'll fucking love it here, you know what I mean? He's, yeah, yeah. He's got Huntley thinking. Scunthorpe and Grimsby are too hot now. Yeah. People know my past. He likes more villages. You know, there's less people to bother him. It's easier to control it. Nobody knows him. He can start afresh again. Then a job position came up in the village of Soham, which is only a few miles from his dad's place. Mm-hmm. Perfect. It was a caretaker job, and he was like, this is fucking great. Yeah, it's right up the road from my old band as well. And it's, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. And it was a long way away from Grimsby. No yeah, one so knows me. Yeah, yeah. The job was for a residential site officer. Basically, a caretaker. Mm-hmm. The previous caretaker had been sacked for. Let me guess, kitty fiddling. Yes. <laughs> what the fuck? So I shouldn't be laughing, but what I mean is, it's just I just find it's like an unbelievable laugh. Yeah, I'm no. just like I just can't believe. Just so ha- it's, it seems to be all. It's like all these cases. There's there's fucking people doing shit they shouldn't do to kids. Like I, I like how I many said, people are doing it and getting away with it? Like fucking I, cunts. Like I said on loads of episodes, right? It seems like everyone who's an adult is fiddling with kids. <laughs> yeah, not me. <laughs> No, but it does, though, uh, you crazy, know what I mean? Yeah, uh, obviously we're not, but I mean, it seems like it seems like everyone was at it, you know what I mean? It's just crazy. Or is that it? Yeah, weird, man. Weird. So, he, so he applied for the job, he lied about his qualifications, and he used his charm and charisma to sort of, you know, smooth them over and make them think, and he got the job, man. Mm-hmm. 26th of November, 2001, he started work at the school. Now, you'd think that after a string of underage girlfriends... Abuse, assaults, reports to the police of rape, that background checks would have flagged something up. Especially yeah. when you consider the school is replacing a sex offender. Be double careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd think, how did he slip through the fucking net then? You're replacing a kiddie fiddler with a kiddie fiddler? He's, yeah, he's been... Oh. The checks found nothing. Firstly, there was two reasons. Firstly, he wasn't convicted for anything other than the burglary back in... night. I think he was got convicted in like 95. I suppose, yeah, because nothing was... Nothing police what thing was brought up about the thirteen year old or the all the other people. But they fell all. through. Yeah, 
The because allegations of rape fell through. So there was so nothing yeah. on the system. So yeah, it doesn't class as like... Maybe they should have an accused area, and like, yeah, like if you've been area. accused like three or four times by different people, maybe you should put that in like a maybe pile. Yeah, yeah. So, so when it comes to job interviews, go like, um, <laughs> you know, he hasn't got nothing on his record, but he maybe have raped four people. Someone said he tried to fuck a kid once. Yeah, so, he, uh, he, not just one person. One, I think you got to kind of mm, it could be one person against another person's word, but four people just say. You go. He's in a maybe pile there, yeah. so he may may have raped these four people. So it's true, man. They need a maybe pile. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they do, don't they? They do. Because uh, if you're getting accused constantly of it, but you get away with it all the time, you go. There's there's something going on here. He yeah. must have done something, or yeah. you know what I mean? Why does he keep getting accused of rape? The same specific <laughs> yeah, yeah, thing yeah, yeah, all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah. It's mad though because social services were aware of him because girls had gone to them and then to the police mm. through social services. And it's shocking to think that at this point, Huntley had been questioned over nine times uh, about sex attacks on young girls. Nine times. But yet that wasn't in there. To sh- well, there was no conviction. No, but they should say he was questioned. Pile. <laughs> yeah, there should be a maybe. There should be. Like, look, look, he's been, he hasn't been done for it, but he has been talked to about it nine separate times about fiddling with kids. Different which is, girls. Uh, you know, use your brain. Yeah. Use your brain there. He hasn't you know been I mean? done, but use your brain. Nine times we talked to him. Use your brain. Don't so, do it. So Huntley gave his national insurance number and his employment record and full previous address. And the and the other reason why the Soham uh, College didn't realise his past was because when he applied for the job, he changed his name, calling himself Ian Nixon. That was his mother's name. Now, he did this in Grimsby too, like when finding places to live, probably, you know, trying to hide slightly mm. so people could go well, who's living there oh it's a geezer called Ian Nixon they're like that's not Ian yeah, yeah. fuck him oh, right, yeah. Get next one Let's, you know the hunt's on to get him yeah yeah so the he, hunt for Huntley so yeah which is going to be colossal in a bit yeah, so yeah. He, he began working Soham before his criminal records checks had been completed which is another fuck up people were just too willing to believe he must have been desperate yeah. for the work or something if police had put the name Huntley into the system instead of Nixon they would have f- found the burglary mm-hmm um, and that alone would have stopped him from getting the job because he was supposed to be head of head of security at the school. Yeah, yeah. So they'll, be, they'll be like thief doing that. Yeah, yeah he's going to end up robbing all the computers if there was any yeah, there. You know yeah. what I mean? There's a blemish on your record. Can't do. It. Now, obviously, Maxine. She moved to Soham with Huntley as well. She changed her neb her name probably on his request. She changed her name to um, Maxine Cap, uh, which is mother's surname, I believe. So they have both gone for the mother's surname. They both changed thing. their surnames. Well, why? <laughs> Why you, are you question it when you'd question it? You go, why do you want to change your name to your mother's? If they go, well, because my dad was abusive, like, go, fair enough. And then you go, you know, um, why do you want me to change mine then? Yeah, it's you know could, I mean? it could be hindsight that we know what happened, so we're looking back and going, well, that's fucking well, obvious. Well, but it is hindsight's one of the best things you could have. Yeah, I mean, if if I if, if I had a yeah, if I had a superhero power, it'd be hindsight before it happens because you Captain just go, Foresight. Yeah, yeah, Captain Foresight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you just go, no, no, no. You, you'd sort everything out like really quickly before it even happened. Yeah. You'd be like, no, someone's going to do that soon, so we'll just stop that by doing this. I can see a pattern emerging here. Yeah, 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 exactly. So so Maxine ended up getting a dream job as a teaching assistant at St. Andrew's Primary School, mm-hmm. which was the same school that Holly Wells and Jessica Chapman went to. Mm-hmm. Maxine Carr knew both of the girls personally because she was an assistant in their class. She knew them really, really well. Okay. So there they are, 2001. They're living the dream at number five college close because the house came with the job as well. Yeah. I think he was paid like 16 grand a year in yeah, 2003. Well, 2001 when he 
got the job. Yeah. But you got a free house as well. Yeah, you said you said the job was like residential, um, not caretaker. Site officer. Site officer. In other words, it means you're living there, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So they're loving life, sleep, uh, like living life in a um, small, sleepy, idyllic village, enjoying their jobs. Fresh start, importantly. Nobody knew his violent, sex-offending past. His job was the caretaker. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He just mind his own. But he used to get really pissed off at people if they if they called him a caretaker instead of residential site officer. That's one of the only things I could find about his time in Soham before the murders that people said was a bit weird. So mm. if you could, they said go and speak to Huntley, the caretaker, he'd be like, "I'm the fucking residential site officer." He's like, "Whoa, calm down, man." Yeah, oh, that could that just be odd. him. You know what but I mean? you, what, acting like that doesn't help, though. I mean, as well, everyone in the village would have trusted him loads because obviously what happened with the other one getting done. They they would have gone right. These must have done a right good check on this fella. This fella must be a nice, really nice, genuine fella at this job. You know what I mean? There's no reason to even question or even think of it. It's so horrific. Yeah. What what they would have to, you know? I, I suspect he might have been raping children. That's such a. He's got a <laughs> job as a caretaker. Obviously, he'd go nuts saying that. But then you go, well, you can't even imagine someone. They must have done it. the checks properly, and yeah. So we kind of set the scene as to who they are and how they arrived in Soham. So we're going to move forward a couple of years now to Sunday the 4th of August uh, when the schools had broke, they'd already broken up for summer. Jessica Chapman had headed over to her friend Holly Wells' house at 11.45 to spend the day playing, just chilling out. You know, the parents had a barbecue, water fights, running around while the parents were eating and drinking, listening to music, just Mm -hmm. your normal Sunday afternoon fun stuff. 5.04 in the afternoon, Holly's mother took... That photo that we've all seen, um, which is the last picture of them alive, the Man United top. Yeah, on. yeah, yeah. Standing in the living room, mm-hmm. just smiling. I mean, there's a cat. There's a um, a clock behind them, um, so it confirms that the time was yeah, yeah. essentially bang on five oh four to that clock. Uh, they sat down to eat at five thirty. Holly's computer was operation at this time. It was it was running. They know this now. Sometime after that photo was taken, the girls asked if they could go to a, a local shop to buy some sweets. Right. Okay. Nothing, I mean, whatever, man, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a tiny village, yeah, yeah. this is. It's like a couple of thousand people, a few thousand people. Should have probably gone into the census and find out exactly how many people were living there, but it's not a lot. Yeah. So everybody knows each other. It's reasonably safe. Yeah, it's sort of like the one of these sort of ideal villages that you see, which everything's happy, everyone knows each other, everyone knows each other's business. Yeah. Everyone, you know, so it's it seems okay. Some accounts say that they, they didn't ask the parents to go to get some sweets they just went but others say they did ask the parents but they didn't specify a route and there's some other accounts saying they're not supposed to go that area keep to this path mm. so whatever man you know what I mean they went on their own that's what we know the mission was to get sweets basically yeah it's yeah. something they probably did quite often um, they didn't tell the parents their exact route no dramas off they go mm-hmm. now I need to add here that our man on the scene Ben who um, Benny Benny Wolfer but yeah. you know, mate. He said there was rumours that the girls had been round to Ian Huntley's house a few times. Right. But I don't know whether that means to see Maxine, but it's yeah. just worth putting that in because at some point they end up there. Yeah, yeah. And we don't know why. Yeah, did they? The thing is, yeah, it, did they go there on their own accord or did they, did Ian go come back, you know, got. Make your uh, make Maxine's your decisions as, as we yeah. go through it. Because I just try and put all the facts out as they are. Because it's just it is a bit of a, it's still a bit of a riddle now, man. You know what yeah. I mean? So at six fifteen that evening, Ian Huntley was seen by the village sports centre receptionist. She saw him walking around. He wasn't seen again until ten thirty five. 
that evening. So okay. that's our window of horror. So between 6.15 and 10.35? Yeah. Okay. At 6.17, CCTV footage showed the girls chatting together, walking across a sports centre car park in the middle of the village. Mm-hmm. They hadn't been given permission to go to that area. That was apparently out of bounds. Okay. Also, some accounts say. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. 13 minutes later at 6.30, an adult friend of Holly and Jessica's see them walking along Sand Street in Soham. So they're still out and about. Mm-hmm. 6.30. 6.32, a lady who used the gym sees the girls close to Huntley's house. Now, this is the last confirmed sighting of the girls alive. Right. Huntley was at home alone at this point. Maxine was in Grimsby. Now, the, the police wouldn't find this little nugget of truth out until they were both arrested, because Maxine maintained throughout the entire ordeal that she was at home with him. Yeah. That was kind of like his alibi. Yeah, the alibi, like, it wasn't me because I was with Maxine. So one and a half hours later, at 8.30, Holly's parents, Nicola and Kevin, they went upstairs to check the girls, because they thought they were, like... They've come in and gone upstairs or something. Yeah, they thought they were being well quiet, but they weren't there. So immediately, they raised the alarm. They called Jessica's parents, who then called Jessica's mobile. Yeah. And it was switched off. Now, detectives believe that the children were dead by 6.46. This is when Jessica's mobile phone was... Oh, so it was rapid then, whatever happened. Yes. Yeah, whatever happened here... It was It literally murdered them really quickly. It wasn't like a case of, like, we're going to torture you or do whatever. It's, I'm going to... Yeah. It seems so unbelievably quick when, mm. we, when we move through it. So at 9.55, the two 10-year-olds reported missing by the parents. They called the police, who arrive at 10.30, and then this is where the shit hits the fan. So it seems like quite a long time to wait that, doesn't it? The, the girls went out at six, and they were reported missing four hours later. Mm. But the parents went up at, what, like half past eight? But they didn't Especially call when they were only meant to go into the sweet shop. Yeah. And the phone was turned off. You'd be like, oh, what is going on? Straight You'd be away. definitely checking that they were back. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just shout when you come through the door. Mm. In 20 minutes, not yeah. four hours. Yeah. Whatever again. Captain Hindsight, probably. Yeah. So by now, because the girls... Fucking no one's seen them for four hours. A small group of locals started searching on their own, not on any police request. They just did it's, it. Yeah, it was a village, and it? it's yeah. probably one of those villages where they go, "Oh, should we go out and have a look for them?" Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Just going to have a quick look. They're probably just sitting in a park or something, maybe. Or well, obviously not. But you know what I mean. You never know. So, so while searching, four volunteers bump into Ian Huntley, and he says he hasn't seen the girls at all. He says, "I've I'm not seen them," which is a lie. Yeah, yeah, obviously. At 1am, Huntley joins in the search after speaking to the police. And he was actually lead searcher for a short period of time in, in a specific group. Because they sent groups out, you know what I mean? At 1.30am, firefighters searching spoke to Huntley. And he tells them he saw the girls at 6.30pm. So now you've seen them. Yeah, you said you didn't see them earlier on. But then you, now you're saying you've seen them at 6.30. Yeah, do you know what I mean? He, he, I think he said he saw them at 6.30 to throw them off the scent. Because he knows that they were dead by then. Yeah. And he's like, just say that... They were alive at 6.30? I don't know. Yeah. It seems like he's putting himself out too much straight away. Well, he's instantly already changed uh, his story a little bit by saying that I haven't seen him and then saying to the fire officer, I saw him at half six. Yeah. And like, why, why didn't you say that early on? You could go, oh, sorry, I forgot or whatever, but like, but still, you know what I mean? The, the story's changed already. Exactly. Which they... They note down. Mm. At 2.30am, Huntley tells a friend of Jessica Chapman's parents that he saw them both at 5.50 in the afternoon. He then changed his story again, told a police officer it was actually 5.45. The police officer he spoke to said that his hair was wet and he was acting excited, possibly because of the drama unfolding. But it's a weird little, Mm. you've had a shower of you. 
He had, you know what I mean? I well, don't know. He could have innocently had a shower. Like, I mean, I know obviously if if he didn't do what he'd done, he could have had a shower before and then gone, no, no, I'll come and help. You know what I mean? And go. But if, like you say, if he's acting all, um, I don't know, aroused? Does it, yes, it seems that way. Excited. Yeah. He's putting himself out there. He was so we can see on, on day one. It's not even day one. He was struggling to keep his story together because yeah. he's changed it a lot. Yeah, he's changed it like three or four times. You'd be like, what time did you see see him? If he went, I don't know, a window between, yeah, it was either six or half between that sort of time. Just stick you with go, it. you go, yeah, just or just say you didn't see him. But like, you'd stick with one sort of time frame. You go, I can't give you the exact time, but I think it was between six and six thirty, and exactly. just leave, leave it as that. Who's a f- mate? It's. it's it's horrible because he even spoke to Holly and Jessica's parents multiple times that night, offering prayers and words of comfort when he just fucking killed their kids. The first night he spoke to He's Holly's dad, fucker. he spoke to Holly's dad, mate, and he said, um, I'm sorry, I didn't know it was your daughter. I hope everything turns out okay. So knowing now what we do, how creepy is that? Oh, mm. I didn't mean to kill your daughter, mate. I didn't know it was her. Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, because obviously at the time that sounds like, oh no, I didn't realise it was your daughter who's gone missing. I'm sorry to hear that. But really, it's like in his mind, he's going, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, I've just murdered your daughter. So the search continued throughout the entire night and um, into the morning. It had become one of the largest manhunts in recent British history. It was called Operation Fincham. It was fucking massive, gaining huge press and attention. Public interest was obviously extremely intense. Um, and I need a cup of coffee. I think I do. Um... I just before we go off, um, so he become a head searcher of the groups on on day one, that, that first night. Yes. So it was kind of like um, uh, he probably thought at that point I've I've already got away with this because they they've put me as like the head searcher. Yeah. Yeah. He does because I can now take him anywhere. Well, I reckon we should check over there. And really, yeah. in, in, in the, the bath or whatever they, wherever they are. Do you know what I mean? He, exactly. He was directing the search. Yeah, and he was the man who just killed. So we can just go. Don't go in there. Why? Because there's two bodies in there, and, and not not the ones we were looking for. <laughs> it's going to get crazy because he gets so involved in shit that he kind of makes a rod for his own back. But um, we'll find out when we have the break. Yes, get a coffee in. Monday the 5th of August 2002 right okay was awful okay it was harrowing for everybody involved especially the girl's family and friends because you can like you can only imagine the horror of knowing that your young daughter and her friend have been out all night yeah gone all fucking night man where are they phones turned off yes it's looking shady yeah that phone turning off is terrifying Mm. because that to me indicates something bad yeah Mm. yeah yeah because everyone knows the chances of child returning after 24 hours is, is slim. Some of the reasons given are the victims are probably most likely being held or in grave danger. And mm. every hour that gets passed increases pressure on the captor who's likely to do something and snap. Plus the evidence can become damaged or destroyed, which will just hinder the investigation and the yeah. police. Do you mm. know what I mean? So on that day, police hold a press conference in the morning saying they're obviously they're worried about the girls. I mean, yeah. 
course no you are. Shit. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you're not going to go, oh, we're not too bothered. Yeah. Um, if anyone knows something, let us know. We're down the pub. Yeah, yeah. we're going to have a few beers. I'm, I'm assuming they'll be back by eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll blow over. It'll be fine. Because yeah. they were like, where are they? What's happened? They've literally vanished without a trace. They went from there to there to get some sweets and they're fucking gone. gone. It's almost too clean. Yeah. A local woman comes forward that day on Monday claiming that she saw the girls walking past the house at 6.45 in the morning. So it's like 12 hours after they've gone missing. Bearing in mind the search has been going all night. Past her house? Past her house, right, yeah. Right, okay. The police had a look at the CCTV and were like, no, nah, it's not them. Yeah. Just a false alarm, but thanks for coming forward anyway, yeah, yeah. whatever. Both the girls' parents appear on TV. They're sobbing for any information on the whereabouts. It's heart wrenching to watch and I can't I don't like watching them it's horrible because you can't it's like an impending the torment in their eyes yeah it's like impending doom as well yeah. you know what I mean it's like you say it's torment and it's it's just going to get worse yeah. I mean in hindsight it's going to get worse but, uh, you know what I mean yeah. now but like at the time you you're going to I suppose you're always going to have that um, bit of hope you have to I mean well, here's another bit which I don't believe in by the way it's uh, linked with the McCann case, oh. um, they've they've said there's another suspect that they're bringing forward and they're trying to get three hundred three hundred odd thousand pounds to search it. It's too late now. And uh, they're saying yes, yeah, the McCann family is saying she's alive. I'm thinking, well, they're not because you got rid of them. You got rid of her. Are you sure about that? Do you think they did? Mm. Um, yeah. What are they going to do? Sue me. I've got no money to be sued. So <laughs> that's my theory. No, I mean each their own. Yeah. My opinion. No, I mean. That Netflix documentary on McCann was pretty damaging to them, wasn't it? Mm. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> digressing. So this first day, during the search, and all the attention it brought, like the press and that, this is where pub- the public gets to meet Ian Huntley for the first time. Yeah. Because Huntley was claiming to be, he said, I am I am the last person to see the girls alive, it's by true. his own words. It's true, though. Actually, no, he said, I'm, the last per- I'm confident I could be the last person to speak to them. And they went, but not see them. Somebody else might have seen them walking down the road, but I definitely spoke to him, so I could be the last person to speak to him. That was right, his angle. Okay. okay. But he loves the attention. You know, he's, he's, the camera's in his face. He felt really important and in control. It's just the type of shit that he likes. There's a lot of these murderers are like that, though. You'd think they'd be the opposite. Like, they'd... they'd well, they probably would turn up to help, but they'd keep themselves in the background or, you know what I mean? They wouldn't want to bring any uh, attention to themselves just in case something happens which links them to it. Yep. For instance, like this case, I'm guessing. Well, he said he reason why he was the last person to at least speak to them. Uh, he said he was in the front garden washing his dog because it escaped. Now we know his dog escaped numerous times thanks to uh, to Ben. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's possibly true. Yeah, we know that that's that's the case. Huntley claims the girls were walking past and stopped by to say hello to Maxine, their teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unfortunately, she was in the bath at the time. Oh right, okay. I thought she was in Grimsby. Anyway, so after a brief chat, the girls headed off, walking away, you know, into infinity, never to be seen again. He just went, they went over there. And that was it. That was, that was, that's (coughs) That's, apparently, that's the line that everybody's going with at the moment. So this huge search team forms. By the end of the first day, there's over 500 people. They're all searching around the village, surrounding areas, looking everywhere, including RFE's own Ben Walfer. He yeah. searched the dikes and the drainage ditches in the fens whenever. I don't think he was on it all the time, but whenever he was working in the area, he'd stop in and jump in and have a look around. That's got to be grim, isn't it? Yeah. Peeking into must, fucking bushes. Yeah, must be horrible because it's kind of like, well, I suppose when you're doing that, you're basically looking for bodies, really. Not, not You don't expect them to be alive. If you're doing searches like that and looking in drain things and looking in that, you're not looking for, you're not going to go, oh, yeah, sorry, fell down here, I'm all right. Yeah. Or, oh, yeah, it's a bit, I just got you know, 
Everyone lost my mind. It means. it means you're looking for dead bodies. Everybody knows what it means, yeah, yeah. man. You're looking for dead bodies, not live ones. So the search was nearly two weeks in duration, so we're not going to cover every single detail, but I'll quickly go through a quick recap of any notable moments. So on Tuesday the 2nd, uh, sorry, day two, which is Tuesday the 6th yep. of August, the search continues with more volunteers. Um, a dude who was out running came forward and he claims he heard two girls screaming in Warren Hill, which is near Newmarket. Now, the report was taken, but not thought to be suspicious, and it wasn't. Okay. Now, police searched ditches along the A10 uh, road, which is a disturbing sight for people to witness, especially the families, because of the realisation that they're looking for a dead body, their dead children. David Not dead body, their dead children. Yeah, yeah. Uh, David Beckham, he records an appeal and put the, that goes out on TV, just appealing for the kids to come home. He's like, you're not in trouble, whatever. It, it puts a lot of much-needed attention on the case and it heightens the girl's profile mm-hmm. so they're less likely to be hidden if they're alive in fucking Edinburgh or fucking Somerset or some shit, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. People recognise their face more because Beckham spoke. Day three, Wednesday the 7th of August, no breakthroughs whatsoever. It's like the girl's have vanished. Police sees a van in a white van in Wentworth and they search doesn't reveal anything. I don't know why they grabbed this van. It could have been that it belonged to a registered sex offender, maybe, something like that, and they were yeah. just checking it out because maybe. of the person it was associated to. Police then tell the public they're extremely worried about the possibility of abduction. So mm-hmm. that was on day two. Uh, 7.30 in the evening, a vigil is held at St. Andrew's Church in Soham by the family. Over 450 people attend, including Ian Huntley. Now, we know now he's monitoring the case and searching for any tidbits of information he can get as to how far along the police are. He's watching shit as closely as possible. Oh, yeah, so he's, yeah, it's, it's kind of like his uh, excitement's going to get too much. It's like, why are you asking these questions, Ian? Yes. <laughs> yeah, because you don't need to know this. We're look, we're looking. We're, we're we're all on this together. It doesn't mean you need to know the ins and out of the case. We're trying to find some children which have gone missing. It's like why. Na- why do you want to know this? It's horrible when you look at these village meetings because you can see him in the background. He'll be like standing there, look, looking and looking around the room, and you're like, "It's fucking you, man." But we know it now. But at the time, yeah, he's yeah. sitting next to people. Like trying horrible, to find them. Horrible, horrible, horrible arsehole. Fucking true psycho. And they put a million, I think it was, might have been the Sun newspaper, the Guardian, something like that. They put a million pound reward for any information which, you know, leads to the girl's safe return, which causes a shitload of people to arrive in Soham. Of course, it does. You get all these personal investigators turning up going, it was him with a hammer in the closet. Yeah. I mean, like, all them people turning up. Like, are you looking for a bag of money or the girls here? Yeah, yeah. Well, Let's be honest. Yeah, it's the money, isn't it, clearly? But, yeah. but like, yeah. So Huntley's watching all this go down. He knows the truth, and he knows the police are no closer to finding the girls. Mm-hmm. And he's he feels invincible. And the cheeky weapon, he actually walks up to a journalist and said, um, have they found the girls' clothes? And you're like, sorry, what did you say, mate? It's an odd thing to say, considering not even the police at this point were aware that the girls had been stripped from their clothes. Yeah, yeah. So it's like he's given something away. Yeah. Again, hindsight. You know what I mean? We yeah, know why, now. Why, why do you? Why? Why we're not looking just for the girls' clothes? Why? Do you, why would it be just the girls' clothes? Ian? Now the journalists realised how odd this was, and they had a quiet word with the police, okay. which grabs their attention. Obviously, it would, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. You'd I'll be like, why are you asking for the clothes? Yeah. Later that same day, Huntley speaks to police and says, "How long does DNA last for?" <laughs> yeah. He's, he's he's um yeah he's digging himself a big hole here. He's not he's not a clever geezer, is he? 
No. He got visibly nervous, apparently, when they said, um, yeah, yeah, experts use DNA to you know, sequence mummies, Egyptian mummies why, why that are thousands you, of years old. Why, why, why would you uh, ask that question? I don't know. But after b- being told that they la- it can last thousands of years, he then says, oh, um, how far outside of Soham is the search going to go? What? Yeah, yeah. And this is... I'll be like that again. Yes, it was. I'll be pressing the buzzer going, right. Yeah. I'm just going to write your name down, sir. Yeah, yeah. Ian Nixon, was it? I'll scribble that. Right. Fucking hunt, you cunt. Yeah. This was on the 7th of August when this was going. That's an important date. He's panicking, isn't he? That's what it is now. He's he's had his excitement and now he's, I think, the realisation of, oh, shit, it's not going to just brush away this now. Well... Asking them questions on the 7th of August that day about the DNA and about the clothes and how far the search is going to go out. So we know he went on a clandestine mission that evening under the cover of darkness that night after asking these questions. The police went, keep your eye on this fella. No, he did. Huntley. Yeah, yeah. Just fucked off without, and no one knew. He went on a mission that night. Oh, right, okay. No, I thought you meant like the police might have kept an eye on him, keep an eye on him, see what he does, and they've clocked him doing this. No, no, they didn't. Because he would have been done straight away. Yeah, yeah. Because like in these types of incidents, police are examining every single interaction they have with the public as it's happening. Yeah, yeah. Everybody that speaks is getting recorded. They've taken every single thing you say down. Um, so these comments got their attention. Yeah, yeah. there was like, what, why, are they, why is he asking these, not just one random question, all these three or four random questions so far? He's, he's kind of like angling it as if they're dead. Um, how far is the search going to go? Yeah. Do, how long does DNA last? And have you found their clothes? Yeah. If you were searching for the girls... Why would you ask how long does DNA last? Because <laughs> he's covered in them. That's yeah, yeah, the, and you know what I mean? You, that's <laughs> what, that's, that'll, be the, that'll be the one which gets me the most, I think, out of it. I'd go... Right, he he's got something to hide big time here. The clothes one, uh, yeah, but he's in your face. Still, it's still hard. It's still hard. I mean, but you know, you could be thinking, oh, he he's thinking that they've, they've died. But how long does DNA last? I'd be like, why do you, you want to know that? that? Yeah. Why do you want to? What what's the reason for you knowing that one? I know. It's mad, isn't it? He was hanging around far too much. Police were watching him and everybody else, not just him. They were watching everybody. But he was really frequent in his visits in the heart of the action pretty much every single day. The local school and college had been searched at this point and nothing was found. Mm-hmm. That was on the 7th, right? Okay. Friday the 9th, we'll jump forward a couple of days, which is day five of the search. Police examined Holly's computer, which they reckon the girls were using minutes before they vanished. Mm-hmm. And they said it had supplied significant lines of new inquiry. But I've then read that it didn't. It was just a kind of, because they've got eyes on people in the village, I'm guessing. If they say that, it might make them panic a bit. I don't know. It's a very odd thing to say that they've seized it. It's significant lines of inquiry. And then all of a sudden, nah, nothing. I think it, I think it's case. A, I think it's a case of trying to um um freak out the people who may be involved and they go right these people acted suspicious and changed their attitude to everything when when we announced that maybe mm-hmm. and yep. these might lead to something here it's interesting isn't it yeah it's crazy uh, and also profile experts, criminal profile experts say they're confident the girls are still alive at this point, which brings massive hope. So we'll move forward to Saturday the 10th, which is day six. The police hold a reconstruction of the girls' last moments, like they're walking around. Later that day, two men are arrested for not cooperating with the police. Now, this gets major traction in the press mm-hmm. because it fucking would. Yeah. Two geezers arrested. Um but it wasn't suspicious. It sounds it, but it wasn't. The men were released without charge. I don't know why they were resisting arrest. Probably just wanted to go to the pub 
and it's either that or they've got something dodgy with like weed or something or some something yeah. weird like that and yeah. and it just it's gone out of control and basically they've been accused of murder. <laughs> yeah, double like, murder, what? double child murder. I was just, I was just joint in my pocket. Seriously, I was just trying to hide this joint. <laughs> That's all. I was just freaking out that you're going to catch me. So because of traffic volume, police start stopping cars entering and leaving Soho, which makes it look like they're no further along. So like, stop. Let yeah, me yeah. just look in your boot. I mean, well, they're just they're doing everything they can. So we're going to move into week two, Monday the. Um, 12th, which is day 8, a taxi driver claimed he saw a green car swerving across the A142 south of Soham. He said the driver was struggling with two girls. It turns out that was, again, Another a, a mute point. It wasn't. The problem is, problem is, things might be seen and also things might be um, elaborated differently. People might go, oh, maybe it was that and then, and then things change in their own mind because they think it could be. I've got to say something, because yeah, it could yeah, be. Yeah. What if it was? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Tuesday the 13th, day nine, the same jogger who heard screams before says he found he's found two mounds of earth near Warren Hill, which is the same area. Two mounds of earth in the same area you heard screams. Ah, oh no. Yeah. So the police search um, in the early hours of the morning, because I think he told them quite late in the evening, and they, there's no, they found nothing. They said it's got nothing to do with the girls. Just forget about it's just, that. just two mounds, yeah. So uh, Wednesday 14th of August, which is day 10, the police announced they've left a voicemail on Jessica's phone for the abductor, right? Ian Huntley came forward and asked the police, "Is how, how would the abductor be able to listen to the phone if it had been thrown away? Hmm. I don't know. That's Has it been thrown away? Yeah, how, uh, well, yeah, yeah. Hang on, Ian. Um, what makes you think it's been thrown away? He might have just said, you know what I mean? I think at this point they're... Yeah, they've got shit it. Yeah, well, I think after the DNA thing and all that, they'd have been like, right, keep your eye yeah. on this fella. Yeah. He was then observed checking his own phone for voicemails. So he was like, I don't know why, but it was just something that the copper said. I don't know whether they, he thought that they may have left him a message. And he was, what? I don't know. I don't know. We know it's you, Ian. Yeah, well, he was trying to find out as much information as possible about the progress of the search by lingering near police officers so he could listen to their radios. Literally going, what are they saying? What's that, mate? What's he saying? Trying to stay one step ahead. I mean, he's on TV loads. He's in the background loads walking around. And he's digging himself a massive hole now. Well, they were, because people began to grow suspicious, especially after the next set of events. So the next day, the 15th, uh, which is day 15th, which is um, Thursday the 15th of August, sorry, which is day 11. Yeah. A week and a half after the girls had disappeared, Sky TV news crews were in the area trying to just fucking drum up more, you know, in, in information. They were speaking to people trying to recreate the last journey, to just try and jog people's minds, basically. Um, although the search was massive, they were, they were getting nowhere. So the TV crews, the news crews, filmed the shop the girls visited mm-hmm. to get the sweets on that day. Outside, 50 yards up the road, was Ian Huntley, standing outside his house. Now, they interviewed him, and this is what he said in the clip. OK. How do we know they were here at 6.15? Well, we have an eyewitness. Ian Huntley here is a familiar figure. Evening, Ian. You're the school caretaker. The girls, Jessica and Holly, would know you, and they saw you on the front doorstep. What what went on? Well, the girl, I don't know the girls. Um, I was stood on the front doorstep grooming my dog down. She'd run away and come back a bit of a mess. Um, they just came across and asked how Miss Carr was, as she used to teach them at St Andrews. Um, I just said she weren't very good, as she hadn't got the job. And they just said, please tell her that we're very sorry. And uh, off the walk in the direction of the um, the library over there. Dirty bastard. Unnecessarily creepy music, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. Can't beat a good YouTube video like that. Yeah, it's a good bit of editing. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They so, always got to do it, though. You can't, you can't have, like, a, a cheering music around it, can you? You know what I mean? So you could see in his eyes. I think you can see in his eyes. He's, he's got a bit of a, a smirk. He, lo- he looked to me um, like he was about to burst into tears. It looked like to me at the beginning of that. Laughter more like. That's what I, I read. Do you reckon? As. Yeah. And it's interesting because obviously encourage you to go and find that video and watch as much as you can about mm-hmm. it. But um, that clip, he's outside his house uh, and he's next to his car, which is an important you know, tall in this in this ordeal. Yeah, yeah. They even interview him in his house, which I'm not going to go into that, where he describes it, well, you know, we have to be careful because there's people that way inclined. Mm-hmm. With, and he's smiling the whole way through. Cheeky cunt. Mm. So shortly after interviewing Huntley, the same TV crew, same presenter, spot Maxine Carr hanging around. Maybe she was being told to by Huntley. I don't know. It just seems very coincidental mm-hmm. so they approached her and, th- and it gave her an interview live tv now she was conveniently carrying a card the girls wrote to her at school when she left now we'll play the clip now but listen carefully to maxine's choice of words right this is something i'll probably keep for the rest of my life i think um it's what holly gave me on the last day of term she was very very upset because i didn't get my job and that's the kind of girl she was she was just lovely Really That's really very sweet, isn't it? Yeah. So the was is a a bigger influence to what people thought. I'm, I'm assuming on that. Why was she was a lovely girl? <clears throat> what do you mean? What do you mean was? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It sounds. Um, it sounds. It particularly them in two interviews when you listen to them like you know back to back like that. It, it's it does sound like particularly Maxine. She she knew they were dead, but she didn't. But she keeps referring to them as they were, they yeah, was, yeah, yeah. as she was saying. So cops spoke to press after seeing these interviews and requested any previous recordings so they could rewatch any footage they had of Huntley of and Maxine, possibly. And they noticed that Huntley was would appear nervous and sweaty at the beginning of the um, beginning of the search, the early footage of him. So we're going to move to Friday, the sixteenth of August now. Now, because he admitted seeing the girls very close to their disappearance, as far as police know, he may have been the last person to see them alive. Mm-hmm. So they, he's high up in their uh, case because obviously he's a possi- well, the last person to see him alive, apparently. He's put he himself is. that, though. He's yeah, put yeah. himself there. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. What's, which yeah, yeah. is really weird. So police were cautious of him, but he had an alibi given by his loyal, loving girlfriend, Maxine Carr, because mm-hmm. she told police officers that she was having a bath inside the house when he spoke to the girls. Right. Now, we know this is a lie because, mm-hmm. in reality, she was 100 miles away in, Grins- in Grimsby on the piss with another bloke. Okay. With another flame. Now, we know that's the, we know that. But coppers didn't know it at the time. So what can they do? They yeah. can't do anything because no, they, no. they didn't know that. So investigators, investigators were like, cool, no problems. You're both clearly really distressed. You know, and you're trying to help out as much as possible. Would you mind coming to the station so we can thoroughly record your statements, your invaluable statements? And the police, um, they were like, yeah, okay. And they kind of like made it voluntary, but like back out if you want. Yeah, you don't have to come along. It's just like, yeah, it's um, yeah. You could, do you mind just coming, just talking to us, maybe? Yeah. You know what I mean? So tell us some more of your information that you might know. Yeah. So whilst being questioned, the mm-hmm. police said, uh, "You won't mind us taking a look inside your house, will you?" I mean, it looks it looks suspicious if you said no. I'm sure you're not going to worry about it. Obviously, they just agreed. So they searched Ian Huntley's house mm-hmm. and the college where he worked. Just mm-hmm. trying to eliminate him as a suspect, so yeah, they yeah. said. Yeah, yeah. During the search, they found absolutely no evidence at all linking him to the disappearance. His house was immaculately clean. 
too clean. It smelled of lemon and bleach, apparently. When Maxine came home from Grimsby, the day after the girls vanished, Huntley had cleaned the living fuck out of his own house. Something right. he'd never do. He wasn't. He didn't do any housework. Okay. And uh, he even asked Maxine to, to clean the house as well. So it was like a double hard forensic swap down. Yeah, yeah. Police noted that he had clothes hanging on the washing line outside in the rain, which, I mean, I don't know. I've done that. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And they also noted that his bed sheets were in the washing machine. And um, police found a crack in the bath upstairs, which he said was because of his dog. Right, How big's okay. your dog, mate? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So like a metal head. What breed was it, Ben? Let us know. <laughs> they also noticed that the, t- the uh, dining room table had been moved and the carpet was wet. Okay, so okay. So they're becoming sus- more suspicious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're more suspicious of the house and they're very suspicious about particularly Ian Huntley and the way he's conducting himself. Right. So throughout the investigation, Huntley seemed too emotionally involved, uh, considering he didn't even know the girls. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Everyone's shocked. On that interview, the first thing he said, I didn't even, I didn't even know the girls. Well, he's distancing himself. That's he? what he said. Didn't yeah, he? yeah, yeah. So, but something's not quite right. I think some of the town hall's press conference meetings were held deliberately as a sham. So undercover police officers in the audience could, you know, you know observe and monitor Huntley and his behaviour. You know, they were they were onto him, but they needed they needed evidence. Mm. They couldn't just go for it. You know what I mean? Because yeah, then yeah. you've got a specific amount of time that you can hold someone. You've got to release them. And he was asking too many questions, and, and he gave the impression he knew more than what he was admitting. Like the questions, like about DNA, how big's the search radius going to be? Have yeah. they found their clothes? His but his his dining room carpet's wet. His house yeah, yeah. smells of bleach. There's a crack in his bath. They both want to be on camera. Okay. The crack in the bath could just be, could be well, it could all be coincidence. But for all of it to be happening at the same time, it's I think if you had a crack in the bath, but the, the floor wasn't wet and the table hadn't been moved and all that, I think you you know you go okay. But you got all this lots of different things happening for no reason in there at the same time. So after being questioned for seven hours and having their house searched, they were free to go. Mm-hmm. Off you go, no problems. They weren't the first people to be questioned because there was two fellows that got arrested in that van I mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not pointing, all the fingers aren't pointing at them. They're just one of four, two or four people that have been arrested. Yeah, yeah. But the press were everywhere. Uh, Huntley and Carr held up at their house and planned to travel to relatives in Grimsby. So just getting the fuck out of Dodge by the sounds yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that didn't happen because after releasing them, the police obviously knew they knew something, which is <laughs> no shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, the investigators searched Ian's real name, Huntley, in the database, and they found out that he had allegations of child rape and was a suspected paedophile. Mm. Again, they then searched the school, and more specifically, Ian Huntley's caretaker lockup mm-hmm. uh, at the college. They were like desperately trying to find They'd already searched it. Yeah, yeah. For anyone, yeah. they've already searched it. Inside the lockup, the police found an incinerator, you know, like them fucking metal bins with the old jeweled at the lower yeah. third of it. Found one of them. Inside that were burnt remains of Holly Wells and Jessica Chapman's Man United tops and other items of their clothing, trainers, trousers, underwear, no bodies though. So following this development, Huntley and Carr were immediately rearrested on suspicion of abduction, rape and murder. So it's, you know, this is like classic arm theory. Yeah, isn't it? it is. Uh, yeah. Mr. Rob Booth's um, theory is the arms theory, which is abduction, rape and murder. It's, it's a classic theory. Yeah. And it, I mean that's their uh, their main point of uh, of uh, of um, investigation yeah, at the moment. They we're going to use the Rob theory, the arm theory. <laughs> yeah, 
So the, the public were told of the developments and the story went fucking thermonuclear because mm. you now got these two people re-arrested and they found their fucking clothes. Yeah. And they've done interviews and they've done all this as well with it so it makes it even more interesting for people to, to watch even yeah. though it's horrible. Yeah, 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 yeah. The fact they found the football tops nearly two weeks after they went missing in a location that they'd already searched raised questions. Like, did they miss the clothing? What, you know, were they yeah. not very good at their search? Yeah, what, what, what was it bringing after Maybe, who knows? (laughs) Who knows, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Later that same day, when the couple were under arrest being questioned, a walker on the the side road by RAF Lakenheath, which is in Mindenhall in Suffolk, which is about 10 miles from Mm Soham, found two burnt naked bodies wearing only a necklace at the bottom of a overgrown six-foot-deep drainage ditch. Now, the dude who found them initially thought they were deer carcasses, Hence, I mean, that's so much was there. Yeah, yeah. Decomposition. Um, unfortunately, it was apparent immediately that the girls had not died where they were found. They had been disposed there. They were found in dense, semi-burnt undergrowth, still visibly crushed where we know Huntley had been dragging himself and, and bodies through. The girls' legs were intertwined, which means they were probably thrown into the ditch before rigor mortis set in. Mm. The autopsy, I mean, I'll jump forward through this because we, most people know the story anyway. Yeah, yeah. But the autopsy um, revealed the stomach content showed the same meal as everybody else at the barbecue, which meaning they died very, very shortly after eating because yeah, I think yeah. it was digested. So the response was sheer horror. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what, what I mean? It's going to be, isn't it? Yeah, it's just unbelievable, isn't it? Two, two young girls found naked burnt at the bottom of a... D- what the fuck happened? Mm. Do you know what I mean? What, what have they done? Yeah, what's... Why they're there? What's, yeah. Shit. So Huntley's fucked. Mm-hmm. Huntley's fucked at this point. The police knew he visited that area regularly whilst... Because he used to go plane spotting and obviously that's right by RAF Lake and he used to watch the fighter jets coming into land and I think his grand lived nearby too. So they could pin him to the area but they needed forensic evidence to pin him to the girls. Ah, now could they link the fire um like certain carbons and stuff in the fire to maybe certain carbons which have been... Yes. Ah, right, they, okay. they actually, mate, there was a hell of a lot. Even though he tried to conceal it very well, actually, mm. there was still... I mean, they meticulously examined his clothes uh, and his unbelievably clean house and forensics started to find fibres that belonged to the girls' clothes in various locations around the house, pretty much every single room. Mm-hmm. These fibres match ones found in the bin in the caretaker's lockup, which he had keys for. Mm-hmm. They were, police were working on Jessica's mobile phone and realised the last call was made right outside Ian Huntley's house. So she would have made the call, come in, and then whatever happened, happened, and he turned the fucking phone off. Yeah, yeah. They also quickly found fibres from Ian Huntley's clothes, carpets, and from his car on their burnt clothes. Okay. So he's like, you were all over them, mate. And more, in piece, and more importantly, pieces of his actual hair on them. They found, okay. So in total, 157 fibres had passed between the girls and, and that fucking dickhead. 157. So the police are like, how do you explain that dickhead? You're mm. fucked. Now, he initially claimed the pair had left his house alive and he eventually confessed to dumping their bodies in a remote ditch under the cover of darkness, cutting off their clothes and torching their corpses in a bid to cover his tracks. So he admitted to that? Yes. Um, that's why they didn't find the clothes on the previous search of, of the yeah, yeah. Uh, lockup because he returned to them after speaking like to the about coppers the, about yeah. the DNA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was like, fuck, I better go and get that off then. Yeah. And burn their bodies to so d- destroy all DNA and take the clothes and burn them as well. But he fucking put them in his own lockup, which is 20 yards from his house. Mm. The um, the girls' remains were very close to being 
just skeletons, essentially, because of the fire. Mm. They were actually identified horrifically by dental records and DNA. So f- I mean, it's horrible. Jessica's hair was found on branches, like which indicate that he... He had them on the shoulders. Yeah, and he was just fucking pulling them through. And it was just, you know what I mean? The state of decomposition of the bodies made it impossible to get any other information other than the cause of death. Strangulation, which is important here. There was no evidence. Let's just, okay, I'll rephrase that. No evidence of sexual abuse survived the fire. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah, okay. He very nearly got away with it, mate. If he'd shut his mouth, he yeah. could have dodged a bullet. Yeah, yeah. So throughout his questioning, Huntley appeared... Well, he started to act strange. He refused to speak, and the police and like he actually pretended to be crazy. He just sat in the corner, dribbling, literally dribbling. And the police were like, "Fucking cunt!" Yeah, he's just trying to get out of it in a different way, you know. Yeah. Well, he had to go to that to send that to put him in um, uh, what was he called? Uh, Rampton Mental Hospital for assessment. Mm. So essentially, he was avoiding Big Boy's prison. That's yeah, what he was yeah. trying to do. So we all know he's in prison. We all know what happened. But why did he do it? What are the motives? And how did the girls end up in his house? How did how did they die? You mm. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So Huntley's trial began on the 5th of November, 2003. And this is where we got to hear the truth in inverted commas. This is what he claimed happened. And, yep. un- and unfortunately, unless he starts talking, this is the story that the family have to shoulder for the rest of their lives. Yeah, yeah. And as you'll hear, it's bullshit. It's yeah. nothing of clarity, man. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's just, he's just been a, he's not, he's exercising his perceived power and ability mm-hmm. to control the situation by not talking. So this is what he told the court. He said, um, firstly, the deaths were nothing but a, a really bad accident. He, f- he refer- actually referred to it as the worst day of his life. Of his life? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's a madness. It's, it's like, oh, me, me, me. Do you know what I mean? He said um, he claims he was washing his dog on the front drive, which we know he did. He said, yeah, yeah but, it, but it could be true. But yeah, he did say that. That's when the girls walked past on that Sunday afternoon. He took Holly and Jessica into the, his house after Holly got a nosebleed whilst they were talking. He said he took the girls into the bathroom and get this man. Holly fell backwards into the bath that he'd just run. And it was because f- it was full of water. And that's how it got cracked because she fell in. It's like um, she's a tiny 10 year old girl, mate. How how could she crack her bath and fall in? Yeah, yeah. She weighs like 25 kilo. She just bounced off it, wouldn't she? And yeah. it's full of water. Yeah. She must have been fucking proper falling over. She must have been over. a fucking whale. You know what I mean? We're supposed to believe that. You told us initially that Maxine was in the bath, you lying cunt. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, with Holly in the bath, I don't know what she was doing, apparently just lying there, Jessica started screaming. So um, he, he panicked. He said he put his hands over her mouth to silence her. And unfortunately, both girls died. Holly, what? Holly drowned in the bath and Jessica was accidentally smothered to death. Yeah, fuck, that's, the, that's the worst story I've ever heard in my life. It's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Because surely if she starts crying, you'd go, oh shit, you wouldn't go and stop her screaming. You'd go, let's get her out of the water and go, you saw that was genuinely an accident. She fell backwards and bumped her head. You were there and you saw it with me. Yeah. You wouldn't strangle the one to death, basically. Well, especially Suffocator. when the, the autopsy said they died of, both of them died of strangulation and he claimed that she fell in there and drowned. Doesn't matter. So after accidentally killing two 10-year-old girls at the same time, he started what he called a military operation to cover up the death. He, um, he meticulously cleaned his house several times, bleached the fucking lot. He took bin bags, a petrol can and rubber gloves with him to the ditch in his Ford Fiesta. The girls' bodies were rolled into the ditch and had their clothes taken off. Three days later, on the 7th of uh, August, he returned to the ditch to set fire to the bodies and the surrounding area after speaking to police fearing his DNA could be traced. 
So that's what he, that's when he did it after mm. speaking. To, he also had um, he had new tyres fitted to his Ford Fiesta, which I know not cheap. Everyone knows that. Yeah. But the sneaky cunt had them taken off the day after the murders, so they like any potential tyre treads at the scene couldn't be linked to him. Okay, so he had like new new tyres put on, and he had his new ones taken off and had new ones put on just to cover the tracks, yeah, literally. Yeah. But unfortunately, the country track where the bodies were found had a distinctive concrete and chalk mix to the um, to the, the floor, essentially, yeah, like yeah. a gravelly yeah. path, and. That so similar traces were found on the underside of his car. So they were like, you were fucking there, you cunt. Yeah, yeah. He also removed seat covers, uh, mats and carpets in the boot. Pollen samples at the scene matched pollen picked up on his on his accelerator and brake pedals. Okay. So he's obviously, you know, and he burnt his, his, the clothes inside the caretaker hut because he was paranoid about the cops seeing the smoke. He burnt it inside. He didn't, imagine that, an incinerator inside a locker burning. The fuck? Smoke everywhere. Still gonna smoke though. How's he gonna escape? It's just gonna fucking still gonna be smoke coming out and everything. Yeah. So yeah, he's like he panicked. On the day vanished. On the d- sorry, on the day the girls vanished, neighbours like are living around him because it's very quiet. They said they heard um, him screaming and slamming a phone down. Now we know he was speaking to Maxine. He was up in Grimsby at the time, mm-hmm. but even though he said that she was in the house, yeah, he may have had an argument and just totally lost his shit, suspecting that she was cheating or was unable to control her in some way. Yeah. And unfortunately, the girls happened to be walking past at the wrong time, and that pedo yeah, proved fucking snatched yeah, them. Yeah. That's yeah. all it took. That's the official account. Hmm. It's fucking crazy. Obviously, the police didn't believe him, but yeah. they reckon there's some elements of truth to his account. For instance, he may have been washing the dog when the girls yeah, yeah. walked past. Possible. Well, I, can, I can believe that. He may have... Um, they, they make, the girls may have asked where Maxine was, she was in Grimsby at the time, and Holly was apparently prone to nosebleeds. So it's, it's could she may have had one. And come in, yeah, yeah. But the falling in the bath, he's just, I don't know. Maybe he's, something's clicked in his head, and he's just gone with Maxine. I need to get my anger out and just strangled them. He may not have done anything to him. He may have, as in like a um, sexual. But he, if if he's rumored that he had phone calls with her, and maybe she might have. Um, he might know that she was cheating. For seconds later, for them to come around and do that, he might be one of these dickheads who just like punches walls and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. They were there instead and just killed them both. Well, he might have killed one by, not want to say by accident, in anger. And then obviously everyone was there and he had to do that as well. Have to, have to. <laughs> no, he, well he would have had to. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? I don't mean that as like. A, I know what you mean. Yeah, exactly he's got to. He's not. He's not going to say. He can go home and not say anything because she's going to go. He killed my he killed my mate. Yeah, where's Holly? Uh, yeah. So whatever the case, they somehow ended up in his house, uh, in and in his bathroom. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the bath was cracked shows something quite violent happened in there. But it, horrifically, it's also clear that at least at least one of the girls ended up in the bedroom because Huntley had sh- stuffed his entire duvet off his bed into the washing machine. Now Maxine told the police that he's never done that. He didn't even clean the house. So we're like, well, he's, he's yeah, something's happened. He's definitely trying to cover something up there. We don't know what happened in the dining room, even though they said the table had been moved and the carpet was wet. Uh, he, he, Huntley maintains that the dining room was one of the rooms the girls didn't go into, and the police found no sign of premeditation. Okay, so it could have just been anything. It might have, yeah, whatever. So with all all that evidence that we got, 
and that ridiculous claim, the jury basically just laughed in his face. And on the 17th of December 2003, they sentenced him to life with a minimum of 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and uh, in 2018, he said this about the murder. He said, I maintain that the first one was a genuine accident. Okay, the second one, I panicked. Once she tried to leave the house, I realised I couldn't let her go. I like to think the first one. Fucking idiot. How would you So accident- it's kind of saying what you said. Yeah. Yeah, but why would you accident? How would you, if you if she accidentally fell into the bath, banged her head, and died because of it, you don't put your hand and choke the other one to death. You know what I mean? It's not like a WrestleMania, like Last Man Standing, is it? You know what I mean? You just go, you'd go, you drag out the water. She, you go, she's dead, and with with her mate, you go, she's dead, and you just, you go, look, you saw what happens. You know, it was a genuine accident. It happens. Oh, no I fucked, know it's mental, but, but yeah, but it's not really fucked though. If he accident, if she did accidentally die, fall over and bang her head and killed her, it's bollocks. Not mate. It's it's yeah, bollocks. yeah, yeah. This is what I mean. That's what I mean. You wouldn't strangle her because you just go. You saw that as well. You know what I mean? Well, I didn't didn't kill her. You know what I mean? You know that. Um, you just wouldn't kill her. Why would you do that? It's, it made, doesn't make any sense. It's, no. it's bollocks. All of it. We don't. That's the thing. Yeah, it is utter bollocks. Yeah, definitely. So Maxine Carr, she was dragged into this to a certain degree. She wasn't involved in, with the murders, and she wasn't even in Soham. She was shagging a dude in Grimsby. But she knew Huntley was a horrible person with many rape and assault claims against him. She was willing to lie to provide Huntley with an alibi. She lied about her lack of qualifications on her application to become a teaching assistant um, at Huntley's request, apparently. And she also lied to mislead people looking for Holly and Jessica. This is, that, this is the thing. This is her involvement here. I think she really believed he wasn't responsible. Mm-hmm. She really did. And I say this because there's a recording, I haven't got it, I'm not going to play it, of when police told her about Huntley's admission, conne- sort of like um, um, his hair on and finding the corpses. And she wails. She breaks down. She's like, no, it can't be. And they're like, yeah, you want facts? Here's the facts, man. Mm. We found him burnt in a ditch and his hair's on him. Mm. You know what I mean? You're a fucking liar. Her trial started on the 25th of August. Um, 2002. Now, the jury believed her account. The court accepted that Carr had only lied to police to protect Huntley because she believed he was innocent. She lied because Huntley had a a nervous breakdown when he was apparently falsely accused of rape back in Grimsby. But she didn't know she was lying to cover up a child serial, a child killer. Do you know what I mean? That's the thing. So they found her not guilty of assisting an offender and she was sentenced to three and a half years in prison and was released on probation on the 14th of May 2004 after serving 21 months. Right. She's since been given a new secret identity to protect her from death threats from the public and people that just want to fucking kill her. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. It's madness, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> I mean, even if someone says it, it was an accident, right, and you're going out with them, can you please say that you were here? Oh, you, you, you'd be like, well, no, you said it was an accident, so tell them the truth. She didn't even know anything, mate. Yeah, that's what I mean, but like, you you know, you, you, Ian, you go, Ian, why are you telling me to do this and why are we cleaning this up from doing that? If it was all an accident, leave it for them to look at it and you go, yeah, it was an accident. You know, yeah. things happen, you know what I mean? You're asking me to lie about my whereabouts and your whereabouts whilst you're being questioned about the disappearance, potential murder of two kids. And you want me to lie? It's fucking crazy. He's had his, he's had his fair share of kickings in prison. He's had his face slashed with a blade. Nice. So he has a seven-inch um, cut in his face, needed stitches. He's had his throat cut. Uh, and the, the Ripper had a go at him as well. I think we mentioned that in the Ripper episode, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. 
He said he wants to move to a softer, lower security prison, and he reckons he's going to be out. He reckons he's going to be totally out of prison by the year 2020. <laughs> no, th- no chance. Yeah, do you think? It, do you think they're going to let him out with all with all the press and everything? We should, Free to go. Like, yeah, yeah. He'd be, he'd be lynched as soon as he walked out. He'd be dead before he got out of the fucking prison yeah. area. They'd be standing outside with bats going, "Come on, son." <laughs> yeah, yeah. You lying little fucker. You know what I mean? So like we don't know what fucking happened, really. No. Now, did it? You know what I mean? The the, the question is. As well, on top of all that, obviously we, you mentioned it, but we didn't accuse him of it because you can't accuse it unless it's there's evidence of it. Is did he did he uh, did he sexually assault him as well? Apparently not. There was no evidence of that, but the bodies were burnt. They were almost skeletal. <clears throat> and he's got um, lots of claims of rape and stuff before. 60. So yeah, exactly. So it kind of inclines you to think that he did. Now we yes. we can't say that he did. But it inclines you to think that he did, mm-hmm. which is even more sickening to the whole situation of all the bullshit that he's... Well, yeah. I mean, unless you're going to do a simultaneous strangling of two people at once, one of them poor little girls had to, well, be aware of, of some really, really horrible shit before yeah, yeah. she eventually went, yeah. if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah. if they're not, if they're not both killed, if is. they're not killed exactly the same time, one of them's going to end up seeing what happened, yeah. Yeah, before it's horrific. before they die, yeah. Well, that's that's so the so murders. Ian Cunty Huntley. Yeah, yeah. Not a fun one, is it? That. No, it's a horrible one. Fucking first one of murder month. Bosh! Stick that ain't your fucking crack pipe. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's the same thing. Like I say, it's like a like a Bundy. It, it kind of wanted the limelight, and he shouldn't have. I mean, it's it. He tried to outsmart. Basically, it's like he's he got he got um his hits from trying to outsmart the police basically as well and it just, it just didn't work because he's a dumb little fucker yeah and may rot in prison the cunt yeah yeah hopefully i i really do hope that he doesn't get slashed up again <laughs> yeah or his legs broke or boiling water fire on him or anything yeah, like that you know don't what do I mean? that, lads. or just hung or something you know what i mean <sighs> we don't want that to him do we no not at all <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening guys yes um uh, if you want to contact us you do it on um, Google, just type in our name. It'll come up with Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Um, we're on Patreon. If you want to donate, then fine. If you don't, fine. Um, we do have a t-shirts for sale somewhere, some tea mill or something. But just type in Robots Vice t-shirts, it'll come up. Um, yeah. Thank you for listening, everyone. We'll see you Spread next week. the word. Yeah, man. See you next week. See you later. <laughs>